You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the True University Podcast. My name is Steve Eden, and he's back by popular demand once again. My very good <laughs> friend in uh, the Grace Tribe, that is Mike Q. Daniel. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm doing better than I ought to be. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Well, it is my uh, my pleasure to have you. I, I always joke about. I feel like I get saved every week you're on. <laughs> now, let me rightly God, divide that. <laughs> that's right. I don't mean born again. I just mean my soulish man gets in line with my spirit man. <laughs> uh, so I want to I want to recap a little bit because we left off talking about the empowering grace of God, and we ran out of time getting to Paul's thorn and Second Corinthians. 12. So let me recap for the listeners a little bit. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse nine, Paul says, I'm the least of all the apostles who am not fit to be called an apostle. This is the amplified version because I once wronged and pursued the church of God and I oppressed it with cruelty and violence. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I really see that as saving grace. And any of these you want to talk about, Mike, you can. You know how we roll. We just kind of jump in. But uh, <laughs> but there's this saving grace. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 comes to mind that we're saved by grace through faith. And so I am who I am, Paul says. And you can list these out. I'm, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm a brand new creation. I'm uh eternally loved, unconditionally loved. Uh, I am who I am by the grace of God. Those things are all gifted to me. Steve is a righteous new creation happened by God's uh, generosity and his grace. Now I consented. I call that faith. I received it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But by the grace of God, he says, I am what I am. And then he says, but his grace towards me was not in vain. Now listen to this. It was not for nothing. It was not fruitless or without results. I love that. So the grace of God now that saves us is at work within us. And then he goes on. In fact, I worked harder than all of them, the other apostles, though it was really not me working, but the grace of God, which was working with me. And so what I see in that, as we kind of left off last week, is this grace that saves us is not without results and effect. It goes to work and actually empowers us. I believe I mentioned last time about Titus chapter 2. It, it empowers us towards godliness, towards uh, living soberly in the present world that we live in. Uh, talk, about, talk about some of what you see, Mike, in that particular passage, and then we will transition for further definition into 2 Corinthians 12. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, in in this passage, in context, in 1 Corinthians 15 and just prior to that, obviously, Paul is making a case for uh, kind of uh, debunking some of the criticisms that they have raised against him. And he says, hey, I didn't come in, uh, if you go back a few chapters, I didn't come in trying to woo you with fancy words or wondrous signs. I just came preaching the cross of Jesus, and you guys— accepted that and experienced this incredible work of God's grace and his spirit. Mm-hmm. And so you, you need to not disqualify me as if I came in as a con artist. I just came in and told you the truth and you experienced the truth by grace through his spirit. So then he comes to chapter 15. He's going, 
look, I am one of the apostles. Jesus appeared to all of these guys Mm -hmm. and me, the very last of them, while I was persecuting the church, Jesus showed up to me in person. Of course, we know that as the Damascus Road experience. Uh, He showed up to me and what incredible grace in the midst of me, pers- I was on my way to continue persecuting Christians wherever I could find him. And he stopped me in my tracks and made me an apostle. He sent me on his behalf <laughs> instead of me being sent, which is what apostle on means, right? The yeah. sent one. Instead of me being sent to destroy them, I was sent on his behalf to minister truth to them. So, wow. you know, don't be doubting my conversion and yeah. don't be doubting my apostleship. Only Jesus, by grace, could do this incredible thing that he's done Mm -hmm. and then in the verse that you're looking at which i absolutely have it says so it's by the grace of god that i am what i am and his grace toward me did not prove vain but i labored in other words by this grace that he's given me it wasn't for nothing that he saved me i've worked harder than all those guys yeah and i think what i love about that is he's saying the grace of god does not somehow nullify our work it doesn't nullify effort it doesn't oh, become you. passive that we're going to sit around on the couch eating bonbons waiting for the <laughs> checks to come in the mail because of the grace of God. Instead, what it says is that instead of laboring in the flesh Amen. to merit something from God, we're going to labor from all we have already by the grace of God. Yes. And the work is going to be even greater by grace. So the verse that you uh, alluded to uh, out of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know, by grace we've been saved, not by work, mm-hmm. lest anyone should boast. Well, he follows that passage right up with verse 10, and he says, yeah. so we are his masterpieces prepared in advance. Think about that, masterfully prepared, like a like a, a, a master violin mm-hmm. or a, a master tool, a scalpel designed specifically by the doctor who's going to use it, Some some perfectly designed tool. We are created as his masterpiece for good work that he's prepared to advance for us to do. So we're not undersold in grace. We are overabounding in our work by grace. So the opposite of grace is not work or effort. The opposite of grace is merit. Hmm. Expand on that. What do you mean by that? Yeah, sure. So, well, I think a lot of people go, well, you don't want to work. That's not grace. That's work. And we get those words confused. We think that the good uh, works okay. are, you know, somehow the opposite of of grace. When you know, so people get confused. They think, well, you don't want to work hard. You shouldn't be making an effort. It shouldn't be. We use this phrase sometimes, performance driven. Yeah. And I understand what people mean by that. I don't think I don't think people are using that wrong necessarily. But we build this idea sometimes that grace is a very passive economy in our relationship with Mm -hmm. God, that we do nothing and he does everything. And Paul is going, not exactly. He does it, but he uses me to do it. So I'm not at less labor. It's just by grace that I labor. I labor more by grace than I did by work. So my point that I try to make as often as possible is the opposite of grace. This opposing idea to grace is merit. We don't merit anything. We're not working for something that we lack. We're instead working uh not the opposite of grace we're working and laboring and making an effort from what we have that is fantastic that is that makes so much uh sense that it's not about meriting i like what you said grace doesn't nullify our participation with god 
right? And the grace of God. Right. So that's we don't what, labor less, yeah. right? And that's what Paul's saying. Yeah, I did labor, but I was laboring with the grace of God. This wasn't a work of the flesh or to get me something or to deserve something or uh, merit something from God. Uh, the grace that was bestowed upon me went to work in me. It kind of reminds me of how the righteousness of God is at work in me. And, right, right. And, and to do per- something through me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's doing some. He did something to me. Now he's doing something in me. <laughs> now he's going to do something right. through me. And I love it because Jesus lived in that reality of participation. Mike, totally. when when Scripture says yeah. in Matthew seven, you remember he breaks down around twenty four through twenty seven. He breaks down that if you if you hear what I say, and then you participate. Uh, you obey the the words that I say. He likened your house, uh, you building your house upon this foundation, like the things of the world, the trials that come, they won't they won't shake and and destroy everything. And I really believe he goes on right after that, or Scripture says right after that, that they marveled at his teaching because he taught uh, with authority, unlike the scribes. So right. the word authority, he, he if you talk dig- with the authority of a witness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's he it's firsthand. That was his authority. He's talking about things yeah. of God firsthand. No one else could do that. Well, and he's also living in reality. If you if you dig that that word authority out, he mm. taught according to the nature of reality. And so while the scribes had the authority of the past, I guess, maybe in, in what they were teaching, Jesus is standing there in the authority of the past, present, and future. All of eternity backs what he's saying because he's living life according to its design. I, I think that's why he had such great confidence in announcing, you know, the kingdom of God is here, the rule of God is here. He prayed for people. Uh, he just, he just was never. What's the word I would say? He was just never off. He was. He even said in John twelve, if people don't hear the words I say, if you don't receive them, well, I'm not. I don't judge you. The truth will judge you in the end, because he's dealing right. according to reality, and that's what we get to right. do. We get to live in this reality, and participate with the grace of God, not working for something, but participating right. with. And Mike, listen to right. this. Now, if I participate with His life, I don't have to ask God to anoint me for something. I don't have to ask him right. to give me authority for something it christ is the anointing christ himself in me has the authority i'm just participating with him therefore i can be supremely confident that what i'm sharing right. or what i'm participating with and helping someone maybe praying for someone that all authority in heaven and earth is backing it yeah yeah and you know we're really on to something the root there in the greek and jesus when he said that wasn't wasn't speaking in greek he was probably speaking in hebrew or or maybe Aramaic, but uh, in fact, likely Aramaic. But but the Greek translation of that quote, where he's talking about, you know, he's speaking, and, and they were awed by him because he spoke with great authority. The Greek word there has the same root as authentic. So uh, yeah. if we would just connect those two words, if I will be authentic, then you know, even if what I do isn't true, it's it's I mean, isn't uh, good. It's at least true. So you can see who I really am, and it has authority because I'm not speaking about what I think. I'm speaking from the reality of my experience, of what I know, of what, but what right. is firsthand to me. So I'm not talking about what I read about God, Jesus is saying. <laughs> I'm talking about my dad, whom I've spent eternity with. Yes. I'm talking about the kingdom of God that I'm ushering in. It's not theory. It's 
what I'm doing. Only I can talk about what I'm doing. See, and that's so powerful. You have a hard time understanding me. Yeah, because he—it's not theory. It's—it's it's not hypothesis here right. in the with the Greeks, and it's not—it's not, it's not uh, idealism. He's not a philosopher. Right. He's dealing according right. to reality, and and so when people would hear him, it would resonate like, "Wow, man, this guy knows exactly what he's talking about." And there's some kind of backing, some weight to what he says. And I just love that because of Christ in us, we can participate with that same authority, that same backing, that same support. Now, we didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. So it's a very humble posture. But I want to live in reality, Mike. I want to live in truth that that Jesus is not just the way to heaven. He's actually the way I'm designed to live. He's the truth about us and how we can live derivative life out of the father Mm -hmm. and by the father's spirit and his word and then you know he's the life the zoe life that's to be expressed in my mortal body well you know john made this same point over and over he's like you know we're not telling you about a jesus someone else has written about only what we saw for ourselves are we telling you so if you don't believe what we're saying you're calling us a liar You're not saying we're just wrong about something. You're calling us a liar because we're telling you what we've actually seen and heard. That's all we're telling you. And so you see this very humble but authentic authority. And the the opposite of that, everybody recognizes. We've all known a leader or someone given a position of authority who lost their authority with us, right? Lost their impact with us because they weren't authentic, right? They were speaking out of something they thought sounded good versus something that they were experiencing or could speak of firsthand. And so that authenticity and that authority really are close kinsmen. Oh, man. Authenticity and what was it? You say it's kinsman authority to, and authority. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I just said that they were they're yeah they're closely related. So listen now, guys. This isn't just for Mike and Steve. This is every born again Christian That's that right. when you walk upon the way, when you walk in Christ, in the reality of Christ in you and His grace and His righteousness, everything we've talked about that's at work within us, then we're living according Ooh. to the nature of reality. You don't have to sweat sharing your faith with somebody you don't have to sweat teaching somebody something uh all of the nature of reality backs when we're participating with truth and what happens for me mike just a little personal here is when i stumble it's like i get in that you know how sin wars against the soul and so when i get off of that participation and i stumble it's like the enemy is able to cloud who i really am and uh, right. that, that authority and backing that I have when I choose to walk in truth. What's some of the best right. ways to overcome when we stumble and get back upon the way, back participating with his life? What would you yeah. recommend? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, there's only one way. Uh, we think that we've got to do something either to undo, you know, we've, we've stumbled in the flesh and we're starting to experience the frustration and the lack of peace or mm-hmm. the anxiety or the anger mm-hmm. that is not from the spirit. We, we at some point are going, this is so hard. Why is it so hard? Or why isn't this working? Or why don't they, whatever it is, it's causing me frustration. It seems like an obstacle to what I'm supposed to be doing. And so the flesh isn't working and I'm getting upset. Right. Or whatever it is, getting down on myself, feeling condemned. Yeah. Uh, and we often, when the Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder and says, you're not walking, I mean, you are with me, mm-hmm. but you're not living from me. There's yeah, no good. intentionality in my relationship. We've mm-hmm. all sat in a room with someone else, but we're on our phone, right? We're not 
Yeah. We're in the same room, but we're really not present with each other. Yeah. And that's what Jesus wants. He says, I want this to be about you and I being here, not what you're doing while I happen to be within you. I want yeah. us doing this participatively. <laughs> and so when the Holy Spirit taps on your shoulder and says, hey, you're not fully present here in the moment or recognizing that I am present with you, this is not about you and me right now. You need to be about me in this. then often what we try to do is overcome the negative flesh that we've been experiencing with more positive flesh effort. We immediately feel condemned by, not by Jesus, not by the spirit, but by the enemy. The enemy deceives us to go off the path in the first place. And then he condemns us if we catch ourselves. And what we need to learn is that all there is to do if we're walking according to the flesh is stop. That's it. It's all we got to do if we're walking according <laughs> to the flesh because we're not missing Christ. We're not yeah. lacking fullness. We're not outside of the grace of God. The Spirit has not left us. We are just walking as if, right, like I'm on my phone at dinner and my wife's on her phone at dinner and we're sitting there in the same room, but we're not exactly together. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, we're not present together. And so the only thing to do in that moment is not to start launching into apologies of all the reasons why I got uh, astray and how much I've missed the right. conversation we would have had if uh, I hadn't done. No, the only thing I got to do is put down my phone and suddenly I'm present again with my wife. Mm-hmm. In the same way, the only thing we have to do with Jesus who never leaves us, never forsakes us, never withdraws from us, never withdraws anything from us, the peace and the joy and the love and the sufficiency and the security and the significance are all still mine in that moment. I yeah. should just start living from that. Mm-hmm. Start to write it. I <laughs> so, wrote that down. I yeah. wrote down, you're with me, but you're not living from me. See, I'm, I'm not left you. But when you steer off course or do a big piece of stupid, as I like to say, <laughs> you're, you're with me. You're just that. not living from me. And that goes back, Mike, to a couple of weeks ago that uh, it's really a source problem, not a sin problem. Always. If, if you can Always. see that the choice you made that Scripture would define as sinful or was, was sin, was you trying to derive life and source from something other than him. And, of course, thank God uh, we don't we don't settle down into it. <laughs> the, the Lord loves yeah. us too much you know, to celebrate. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Christ doesn't stop being your life when you're trying to draw life from something else. He's still the life. Amen. He's still the only Amen. one and only life. The yes. problem is you, I'm not experiencing that because I'm trying to suck air from the dirt. <laughs> you know, if I'm in the desert with canteens, you know, gallons of water wrapped around my shoulders, but I try to drink the dirt then I'm not going to be very satisfied, but it's not for lack of water. Yeah. It's for, you know, as you said, it's, so you know, good. big, what do you call it? A big, big wallop of stupid? Big piece of stupid. <laughs> big, big piece of, so uh, that's just me missing the very thing I've already got. I'm, I'm living for something from the wrong source. Yeah. So I'm not experiencing my life in the source. And this yeah. can sound kind of like religious language. And, and I don't mean for it to be, it's shortcuts. When we talk about living from Christ or when we talk about, uh, you know, living from the wrong source, uh, that, what does that mean? Well, that means not trying to get my immediate needs met, my deepest needs met from something that I cause or that I fix yeah. or I get from someone else. That's mm-hmm. me trying to be God. So if, if I'm lacking affirmation from people around me, well, of course I am. They're not God. 
but do they define me? Or does God's acceptance and value and affirmation of me define me? Because in that moment, both are true. This person is rejecting me and God is loving me. Which one? I get to choose which one I identify with. What I gain from them or what I've got from him. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we mean when we say living from him. We're saying not being defined in my own thinking and, and thereby in my emotional response yeah. from everything around me. Instead, I'm defined by who he says I am and what he's accomplished for me. And I, we're not acting, but we're acting like the truth is true because it is right. true. That's exactly where you go back to participate with truth, which is how we got into the big piece of stupid in the first place. <laughs> we weren't participating <laughs> with that reality. But um, after the big piece of stupid, I love what you say, choose life. You still have the power yeah. of choice. This yeah. is something Lord spoke to me years ago when I was beating myself up and, you know, the enemy was beating me up. And so I asked for the bat and, and I wanted to beat myself up for it and all these things. And the Lord said, Steve, you had a choice to make. You chose wrong. You still have the power of choice. Choose life. Go back to truth. It's like what you said, Mike. Stop what that was. Now choose life. And the great thing about what we're talking about for all the listeners is, is Paul is saying here that the grace of God is working in him. And I want to marry that to something you said last week, Mike. The grace of God is working in me, and it's proven every day by what I'm glad I did or what I'm sad about, what I have That's regret right. about. And and listen, guys, that when, when you have that... Uh, posture of wait a second i missed it right there that is still the grace of god at work of you in you it's still the righteousness right. of god at work in me and that's proven the presence of righteousness is what pricks steve's heart and says steve let me remind you that's not who you are and you're not going to be able to derive right. life or satisfaction out of that because i've cornered the market on your fulfillment that's right that's so right man that's so good and and that's why romans eight twenty eight is really true it's right i say this all Mike. the time people have to go and look it up romans eight twenty eight is true because romans eight twenty nine is true mm -hmm. that all things work to the good of those who love god and are called according to his purpose because those whom he's called he's also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son in other words, even the flesh becomes useful in God bringing me to dependence upon him as my life. I grow whether I am walking according to the flesh or I'm walking according to the spirit. He uses the spirit to affirm that walk and he uses the flesh to redirect me to the walk of the spirit. So all things, even my fleshly behaviors, God redeems what grace yeah. redeems oh so that I will come to know my life uh, in Christ. And, He's got it. And if, that, if that doesn't make you a worshiper, uh, you didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I it's, mean, like, it's like saying kids learn to walk by falling down and by walking. Yeah. Well, of course they do. Well, that's us with Jesus. Amen. Even our failures become successes to him, guys, because he's that good. He's that good of a father. Any even natural father who's teaching his son how to walk, let's say he's almost one years old, you know, he's going he's gonna to get up. He's going to try it. He's going to begin walking to the father. When he stumbles, the father does not throw his hands up, say, this baby is defect. Let me just, you know, throw him out. I'm done with him. Send it back. <laughs> right, I'm going to send that baby back. The father, oh, he's so good and he's so gracious mm -hmm. that even when we stumble even our failures become successes because of Romans 8:28 and Romans 8:29 he's going to cause everything mm -hmm. to work together for good and he's going to conform us to the image of his son 
Let me segue. That's why it's good. Go ahead. That's what he means by good. Right. Go ahead. I, I, I was just adding that. You're good. Okay. Go I'm going gonna, gonna to go over to 2 Corinthians 12, 7, because we got to get to it at some point. <laughs> so same, <laughs> same thought here. And I love how Paul and even Jesus, who's speaking in this narrative, defines the grace of God. Let's listen to it. Verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. And Mike, if you want to come back to that and comment on it, break that down, you can, so people don't get confused. <laughs> Concerning this sure. thing, uh, this thorn, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might take it from me, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So here the Lord himself defines his grace as strength that's at work in the midst of Paul's weakness, and I would say even within Paul. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my infirmities, and now Paul defines it, that the power, and that's dunamis, uh, that the dunamis power of Christ may rest upon, upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, uh, reproaches, needs, persecution, distress, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then... I am strong. All right, Mike Daniel. <laughs> Break it down for us right there. <laughs> well, you know, I love this because he's saying even the enemy who was trying to thwart God's work through Paul, uh, it says that the enemy, it was given to me by Satan. Mm -hmm. So to keep him humble, God, God in essence, used Satan mm -hmm. <laughs> right. to give a thorn in Paul's flesh so that even that God is Romans 8, 28 because he's Romans 8, 29 right? So right, the thorn in the flesh from Satan, I'm going to use to bring you to the place of dependence, humility, so you don't exalt yourself too much. And this thorn in the flesh that makes work harder in the flesh is going to make you more dependent upon me so that the spirit can do what only the spirit can do in and through you. So that by grace, God gets all of the glory for what you do mm -hmm. dependently upon him. I love that economy. Your faith meeting God's grace gives us this infinite capacity for divine participation. But it's not what I do for him. It's what I absolutely must depend upon him to do through me. And I don't get to choose what that is. I don't get to say, God, I'm trusting you to do X, Y, and Z today. And God's going, well, let me look at my to-do list. Yeah, I can work that in. He's not looking for my direction. I don't get to direct God. Mm -hmm. But if I'm available because of his grace to me, then I can experience the work of his grace through me. And so God literally using Satan to free Paul up from his agenda for God so that God can work through Paul for his agenda for Paul and for us, right? Because mm -hmm. we're reading about it now, 2,000 years later. So, and it, uh, and or it, almost. It helps, <laughs> it helps us continue to live the reliant life, you know, where we continue to derive yeah. life. We continue to rely upon Christ yeah. uh, as our life. He's not saying here, I'm, no, I'm not taking it from you because it's really okay, you know, if you go out and dance with sin and do this, that, and the other. God loves us too much to do that. But there's a strength, Paul. There's a grace in the acknowledgement of your dependence on me. Right. That is made manifest right. in in your daily relying upon me, and I I really think uh, yeah. I think that's an important truth as well. We'll never outgrow our need 
of God ever. We, you know, Adam and Eve were were perfect in the garden, that's true, but they were made dependent. And we have been created uh, to derive life from the one who is life. And I just love that in this narrative that he didn't say, no, I'm just going to let you get beat up by it and good luck with it. <laughs> He's saying there's a, there's a grace, there's a strength, and there's a power, a dunamis power that's at work in you as you rely on me, not yourself, uh, that allows us to express his life. You know, early in Paul's writing, so one of his first letters was Galatians, and uh, you could just see his his uh, his zeal, you know, how zealous he was against the Judaizers who were coming in and teaching that the Christians had to be good Jews and good legalists in order to be, you know, he deliberately, Paul deliberately did not teach the law. They didn't even know the law. They didn't even know Moses. They didn't know the history. They didn't know the prophecies. All they knew was Jesus. All they knew was Christ and him crucified, and they came to to know him and we're walking in him and experiencing spiritual power in yeah. Galatia. And then later the, the Judaizers come back and go, Hey, you need to be circumcised. And by the way, let me tell you all about Moses and what he wrote and the law and the Israelites. And, and then Paul and his zeal writes and just, just so harshly about them. And he's trying to defeat them. And nothing that he said was untrue. Mm-hmm. I love the book of Galatians, but you could just see Paul's frustration in his writing. Yeah. And then you fast forward to this passage years later, where he's writing to the uh, church at Corinth, his second letter to them, probably his third letter. There's one that we don't have <laughs> probably in between, but he's uh, writing the second letter and he's going, you know what? God uses it all. So the, the work of Satan and the, the work of the enemy and the work of the flesh, as we just read in his first letter to the Corinthians, mm-hmm. he just, God uses it all. God's got it. Isn't that awesome? Yes. God's got it. It's not about me and right. we're all okay. And he fast forward <laughs> to Philippians and in Philippians 10, he's like, Hey, you know, or I'm sorry, Philippians three, he's like, Hey, it's all good to live is good. To die is good. Yeah. Uh, I just want to know Jesus. So if, if things are hard, then I get to know Jesus through the hardness in a way I could never know him apart from it. So bring yeah. the hardness. And if things are great, wonderful. Then I'll just celebrate with Jesus how great things are. I'll know him in that. But the benefit is not that things are good or things can get better. I'm trusting him for my Come circumstances, on. Amen. which is fine. Yeah. It's that I get to know him in it. He yeah. is the good that comes out of every situation because we're never lacking for him. So yeah. this thought in Second Corinthians where he's saying, you know what, I'm going to depend upon him. He's literally saying, before this happened, I did not realize that God was wanting me to know more of his grace. Mm-hmm. I thought he had called me by grace and empowered me as an apostle by grace so I could do stuff for him. And now he's going, nope, I'm keeping you from being able to do stuff for me Amen. so that I can be the one who does it. So my grace speaks of me instead of your effort, which speaks of you. Amen. We literally mm-hmm. see Paul learn this in this passage. That's amazing. We watched him learn this truth. And then later in Philippians, at the end of his life, he's like, you know what? Don't stress any of it. Just right. know Jesus in it. Just <laughs> know him in it. He's going to do what he wants, and you get to know him more. Oh, Isn't that man. great? If we, if we could only grasp that. And it's so true because <laughs> we're, we're like Paul because when, we, when, when he loves on us and we get born again, we think, oh, man, I got to go you know, live this great life for him. I'm a, I know he's called me to show myself strong for him. And yet, what is right, it? Second Chronicles right. sixteen nine says that uh, the eyes of the Lord 
roam the whole earth looking Dude to from. show himself show himself strong right <laughs> on behalf right. of those right. you know who who love him and are called to him earnestly seek him yeah, yeah. i think yeah. also when you're talking about good and bad and ups and downs and all that which a lot of the you know tv preachers tend to try to take advantage yeah. of <laughs> to get sell. to, yeah, try to, to sell. capitalize yeah. on um, <laughs> pa- i really think paul's secret in philippians 4 his his secret to contentment was right. remember when he said i've learned to be a, a base i've learned to have i've learned to, to not have but in the end i can do all things through christ right. who strengthens me christ's strength uh his grace i would say uh that's at work in him that's his secret to contentment because it's not about good days bad days ups downs all that it's about uh christ as our life living in and through us his expression. Yeah, it really is this very passage, right? Because what he's talking about in Philippians 4 when he says, I've learned to live with much or with little, the secret to contentment, he's actually responding to a question he asked about, you know, uh, uh, it's, well, not really a question, but a statement about how, you know, I'm not telling you of a need so that you can, uh, because I'm in need. I'm not telling you, uh, you know, how you can participate in what God's doing financially because, because I'm in need, because honestly, my being in need or my having a surplus doesn't really make my life better or worse. I know where my life is. Yeah. So where, so if, if I'm lacking for something, God's enough in that. And I get to know God in my, in my struggle. And mm-hmm. that's the goal. And mm-hmm. if, and if I'm, you know, have everything that I need, then I get to know God is the blesser. And so either way, he's sufficient in the hard times. I need his grace. And in the really good times, it's because of his grace that I have it. So either way, it's me knowing and experiencing and expressing his grace. So I'm not telling you of a need because of something that I lack, I want you to meet. I'm telling you of a need so that you can participate in what God is doing and you get to know him in this too. (laughs) And so in this very passage that that we're talking about, he's going, you know, I, I didn't know that until... I came to know that his grace was sufficient for me and a byproduct of my learning that his grace was sufficient for me. In this very next verse in second Corinthians, he, he literally saying, so, you know, when times are tough, I go, woohoo, yay, trials. I get to know Jesus in a way no one's ever known him in this trial that Amen. no one else has ever gone through. That's amazing to me. <laughs> the overcoming life, right? In the invincible yeah. life of uh, yeah. Christ. Yeah. Is. I want to leave leave everybody with this. I do encourage you, those of you listening, if you get a chance, Mike mentioned Philippians 3. Verse 7 through 11, he's going to talk, Paul will mm-hmm. talk a lot about knowing Christ. This is all that matters is knowing him. But listen to verse 12. I want to encourage you with this. Not that I've already obtained, he said, that I've arrived, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. I love that statement. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it yet, but here's what I do. I forget what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, and I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God's called me heavenward in Christ. And then 15, all of us who are mature, let us take such a view of things. And if it's different, uh, that too, God will make clear to you. But verse 16, only let us live up now to what we've already been given what we've already attained Mm -hmm. guys the grace Mm -hmm. of god is yours as a born again child of god the empowering and saving grace of god is at work in you now may we regardless of what's happened may we forget what is behind and begin to live Mm -hmm. out of what we've already been given 
And uh, Mike, would you just pray for us as we wrap this up today? Yeah, you bet. Father, we just praise you and we thank you that you have such joy in making yourself known to us because you are joy to us. You mm-hmm. take you take such pleasure in bringing the pleasure of knowing you more to us because it really doesn't come from anywhere else. And so, God, in all things, I thank you and I praise you that you let us know you more as our life in the great times when we can celebrate your grace Mm -hmm. and in the challenging times where we depend upon you more, that you would be, uh, that your name would increase on the earth, that your renown would spread like never before. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure.